we are gathered here today to remember, to bestow honor, and to say thank you. We're here because something that was incredible, something that was great, is now no more. And its end was so abrupt as to be unacceptable. So we, on the Warriors Plus Minus, will properly funeralize the Warriors dynasty. Because Tim Kawakami, my boss and co-host and I, we understand as much as any what we just lost, what is now gone, but we can't say goodbye. We can't start this new era, TK, without first remembering what was. What a ride it was, right, TK? It started this show, right? This show does not exist without that whole thing starting up in 2014, 2015. So you can be sad about that or you can be happy about it. This show did not no, exist. No, this is yet. about yeah. joy. Yeah. We yeah. are... Yeah. We are choosing to remember the good things. We are sending. If we were in New Orleans right now, there would be a parade and a dance. And trombone. And yeah, we will be partying. We don't believe Umbrellas. in bad endings. Yeah. No, this, I'll say this show does not happen without the dynasty starting. A lot of these things, I'm not sure the athletic takes off like it would have. It did, I should say, in San Francisco without the dynasty. A uh, whole lot of Marcus Thompson isn't the superstar that he is without the Warriors dynasty. A lot of people's lives were changed, not just fans, not just, you know, people's lives, people's careers were, were altered because of this. Uh, no, no question about that. And that's a practical part of it, not just the emotional part of it. No, for real. Like, real talk. I was uh, mired in obscurity covering a perennially 38-win team. And then the Warriors got good, and suddenly... Then you got pe- good. People well, thought well, I was good. Yeah, no, yeah, well, I, think good I, was, I think I was good the whole time, but nobody cared. <laughs> <laughs> I think you thought I was good, too. Yeah, I think I did. Because yeah. you uh, yeah. you made a habit of not talking to the not good people on staff, and you always <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> that comes out meaner than I think you even meant. I mean, I, I mean, you know... It was pretty clear. I was an early proponent of Marcus Thompson. Yeah, that, that, pretty clear. Uh, yeah, that was pretty clear. That was pretty clear. That's so funny. <laughs> so <laughs> not talking to the other people. Where is that? No, to the not good people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just. I don't even. Want these, to this is Mer- is it Mercury News drama research. Yeah, my. We're goodness. not here to bring up old bones. <laughs> we are here to properly memorialize a five-year stretch of greatness. So what, when you say when, what, when did this start? What, what's the starting point of this in your mind? It like, has it, to be the hiring of Steve Kerr. Yeah. Like I would say there's a, I mean, it's I mean, it was an building, easy demarcation. It was building before yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it was the start of the, the rocket ride. Uh, I don't know there, if they was, become yeah, yeah. A, I mean, but, a champion. You know, yeah, but, they, you know, listen, Mark Jackson has a role in this, and, you know, there's other people have a role in this. But, yeah, this this thing that we're talking about, the, the the biggest team in the world for five years, the 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 place that was safe for te- Kevin Durant to land for three seasons, this all when Steve Kerr was hired when May 2014, that's when well and then the, the few decisions that were made after that it was don't trade Clay Thompson, Draymond Green's a starting power forward and Andre Iguodala is coming off the bench. Those three things. Were, were they didn't work cause it all, yeah. We didn't cause it all, yeah. But they were like, and also a sign 
that this was happening. This the things were beginning to work out in in a in a very rational and pragmatic and at times you know fantastic way. And those I'd say Kerr and then those three things and then it, and then number thirty being really good was was obviously happening too. So to to uh, you know we I guess we can read the part of the funeral program that goes over yes, the the life. They won seventy three games uh, in twenty fifteen sixteen. They won three championships, but not in twenty sixteen. Lost two of them. Yep. Uh, the first one was in heartbreaking fashion, right? You could say that. The the Wait, last one. By the way, lost their both the two ones they lost were both on their own home court. On their own home court, which is weird. They lost uh, the first one in you know heartbreaking fashion. Down game seven, final minutes. This last one they lost, it was much more valiant in how they went out. They were injured, uh, fighting to the end, kind of rah-rah, feel good. Uh, but when you look back at this at this kind of era, this five-year clip, before we go to the Jordan Poole uh, <laughs> era of Warriors basketball, before we hit the D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell era of Warriors basketball, when you look back at this five years, what, what are the accomplishments you think will – like last, what were the mm-hmm. ones you think will stand out? I think 2016, but having an incredible epic season while losing a championship. You would yeah, go yeah, to the pre KD yeah, part. Yeah, I, I would. You. Well, it's one of somebody won Unanimous MVP that season, <laughs> and they won. They lost nine games during the regular season. It's just mind blowing. I mean, we all covered it. We went through it, and nobody lost, thought it would happen. They, ever. Uh, I mean, yeah. it just I, I I thought sixty wins was a um, ridiculous thing, which they'd done. They won what sixty seven the year before. Yep, it, it was it was ridiculous, and to even think about seventy or beyond seventy, just to go through that. Now, I mean, probably can say it warmed down a little bit. We probably can say maybe they would be better off they didn't, but. Uh, that whole season, and you know, and the first ever unanimous MVP, and and the, even losing the finals yeah. in like the most historic yeah, fashion, exactly. like that up three up three one up three by the one. one. I mean, it was an epic series. If you're just a basketball fan, it was an incredible yeah, I series. Just think, you know, we we always say that what's the thirty for thirty, and it's a little cliche. But if, when documentaries are made about this, that's going to be the centerpiece. Now, then they get Durant, and it t- goes to a whole other level. But that's the pivot point for so much while they were planning to get Durant. But Draymond, I mean, you see Draymond's like shot like ridiculous in those playoffs. It, he was so good. It was Curry. He was the best player in the playoffs, and Curry was the unanimous MVP. And they go up against LeBron at his height, and Kyrie, and Kevin Love, and going through the seven game series against Oklahoma City, and Clay doing. I'm just there's you. You talk about the things that we're going to remember about this run. There's so many in just those last two series and winning the 73 games that I, I go to that. The that start t- of that season yeah. to the end of yeah, that season. The, just yeah. that that whole summation. The whole, and then signing Durant. It yeah. was like that's almost a capstone to it. Then they signed Durant two weeks later. Just just that run of moments. From July to July, right? Because yeah, oh, then you can get in uh, Doc Rivers talking about <laughs> it was luck and the Warriors responded and all yeah, that. Yeah. All that. Yep. Shatter that kind of led to the start of it. Yep. Yeah, you get all of that if you just go from July to July. Twenty-four straight wins to start the season. Yep. I mean, that all those. I mean, they might win another championship. We don't know. They might have another MVP. We don't know. The accumulation of those things in a season they did not win a championship. I think we're never going to see again. I don't know that any team is ever going to do that again. And so, in in this era of you know. 
teams reformulating every other year, which the Warriors now are in, this was a team that won a championship, kept it together, and was determined to win another one. And didn't, but was determined to. Meanwhile, plotting to get Kevin. The whole time, they're plotting, you know, Harrison Barnes and Festus Azili know that, hey, they're probably going to dump us if they can get this Kevin Durant. All those things in play, I, I don't know that there will be another thing in any sport like that. Well, that's what I think back again. It's the one they lost. But when, you're going to give me a Durant moment then? That's, that's, nah, that's no, nothing, nothing yeah. tops 2015-16. Yeah. Like, that year was just epic from start to finish. And even in the loss, I still— By the way, Steve Kerr does not coach. Yep, that's right. Yeah, like Steve Kerr thir- The first 30, first 43 games, whatever it was. And they go 39-4. And, and then you, yeah. you add arguably the greatest regular season game of all time. Oh, yeah. Oh, in Oklahoma City. When he's back. Yeah, and, and, st- and, and, and Draymond and Steve fighting in the yeah, locker room yeah, and just, Steph— Doing the sea walk and the Bernie Lean all in one dance, yeah. like That's, it was. That season was so yes. full of stuff. Oscar Robertson yes. and all these people yes. talking about how Steph is overrated. Yeah. Fat, yeah. G- but Fat Jimmy, Fat right? Jimmy, Fat yeah. Jimmy. I mean, just <laughs> Fat Jimmy. All, all those things were that. It was all kind that of stuff that, happening that, that, that season. That season. All these things we're talking about were that season. And you know, forget forget about the you know the, the seven game back to back seven game playoffs uh, uh, series. That that season, you could write a book about that season. I, ho- I hope you don't, because you're writing a lot of books lately. But why, uh, you, why you don't want me to shine? Yeah, Again, we're not we're not focusing on the hate <laughs> here. We're focusing on the memory of the Warriors That's, dynasty. That season, that season, man, it just uh, it, I'm that, gonna that, go that, that, that to me is that when you it's, there's a bend and there's an you know there's a bend of time. There's an arch to time. That was the bend of the Warriors at their apex, and then they go to get Durant, and so they just blow. And then right the after that apex yeah. was also a, a fairly a, a riveting season. I don't think it matched the, the heights of 2015-16, but the incorporation of Kevin Durant yeah. in 2016-17. He gets hurt. Well, right? even before yeah. that, like how remember how crazy it was the first game, yeah. Oklahoma City yeah. come to town. Even opening night when they got smashed by San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, just that season just had a lot to it. The it's first trip to Oklahoma City. The, oh, yeah, yeah, the cupcake game. They're still reacting to that. Yeah, yeah remember, remember Russ to came game. to the Warriors game in the photography yeah, jersey. Yeah, yeah. And remember, it was, wasn't it Super Bowl, and he's down there shooting? Durant, Durant. Durant. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why, that's why, that's why he wore the, wore the wore Super Bowl, or the, the photograph yeah. jersey. Uh, but really, that, that season kind of was on an ebb and flow. It was like a, a, a roller coaster ride going up, right? And there's some bumpy stuff yeah, on the, the way. Game the lost. Christmas game, yeah. uh, the the Memphis game yeah. with Draymond is screaming at KD for not running a play, but then they hit the playoffs and boom. When Steve leaves when, the team, <laughs> by the way, when that's happening. They hit the playoffs <laughs> and boom. Yep. yep. Like he's he's go. It just takes off. Yep. They go 16 and one. They're blitzing p- people, and even when there's a close game. Like it's like all right, yep. high pick and roll, yep. <laughs> right here you go. At some point, it just they just look so inevitable. They yep. win the first fifteen games of the playoffs, and it's like, yo, we're watching. Yeah, they broke LeBron's something spirit. Ridiculous. They broke LeBron's spirit with that with, with that series. I, I really believe uh, they just had so much. They had so many. It was things. overwhelming. Yeah. Yes, they could throw them. Iguodala was barely even needed. Yet if they needed him, they go guard LeBron James. By the way. Uh, and then, if they're ever in trouble, give it to Durant and the, the Durant in the center pick and roll. Uh, then, oh, by the way, still Steph Curry. There was so much that was that that was them at their best. That's their best. I mean, Curry that's will say the that. Peak. That's their yeah, best that's team. The peak, that's their yeah. best team. 
Uh, that might be well, the best team ever. Like when you're putting together some of the best teams ever, that's that's the team that's we, in the When you talk about who's guarding Kevin Durant right. and, and the Warriors can guard anybody, uh, that's you just best matchups, best roster, best personnel. Uh, I don't know if it was the most fun Warriors team, but I'm, I'll even take the next Warriors team as as you know had figured it out a little bit more, and you know they, that one swept Cleveland, you know, in 2017. So, I mean, 2018, right? Yeah, yeah 2018, 2018. Yeah. But uh, that first season with Durant was an interest, more, more interesting season. And if you add up everybody in their prime, that probably was their best team. And, again, that's, and then that's one where Steve Kerr misses 11 playoff games. Yeah. 11 playoff and games. It comes back and comes because, back. like, y'all not surpri- about to win this without it's a, me. It's a surprise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, by the way, oh, here, game two of the finals, uh, Steve Kerr's back. But y'all not winning this without me. There's <laughs> a little drama going on in these te- with this team. A little drama. We cannot fully uh discuss funeralize and memorialize the golden state words dynasty without talking about the homies who ain't here no more so we got to pour out a little liquor for kevin durant for andre Iguodala, and for sean livingston and to do that we have our own anthony slater what's up slater i want to know from you uh what do you think coming to the warriors did for for kevin durant's career and legacy one of two titles that uh we don't know if he would have won in Oklahoma City, I mean, probably not. I mean, maybe maybe one in the last three years there, but uh, I guess so. Bumped him up the title ladder. I think part of why he left is because he kind of realized that's not all that that matters in life. But I don't know. To me, it kind of reminds me of LeBron to Miami. Uh, you know, LeBron, I guess, kind of called it his college years. But uh, how, I mean, how do you guys remember LeBron's Miami tenure? That was a success. Uh, that was needed for LeBron. But also by the time he left, you're like, yeah, I, I can kind of see why he left. Yeah, I do feel like it put Durant in another stratosphere. It put him – it almost made him national, like in a way that he probably couldn't have been if he stayed. Uh, it, it, he kind of forced his way into the, the dialogue about, you know, elite, which is weird too because we all respected him. We all kind of knew him. Like we knew he was good, but his relevance seemed to take on – like whole new heights when he came to the Warriors. And now he's this like central figure who is shaping the whole league. I don't know if he could have done that if he would have stayed. Well, like the villain aspect of it um, was what he had never experienced. And again, to parallel that with LeBron, like LeBron was so beloved in Cleveland. And then when he went to Miami, he became a whole different level of character in pop culture, uh, you know, because of the decision, because of the backlash, because of the press conferences where he sat up there and was saying like, Hey, you know, remember when they lost to the Mavericks and he was saying, like, I'm still going to go back to my awesome life and they can go back to, you know, their terrible life, basically, is what he said. Uh, Durant, in his own way, experienced that the last few years. It, it obviously bothered him to a deep level, but uh, he was never as big a pop culture figure, a discussed, um, you know, character in the world as he was uh, with the Warriors move. And yeah, if he was just in Oklahoma City, kind of, I don't know, would have been. Uh, you know, a Kawhi with the Spurs. Uh, you know, he was a he, he was a, a more controversial than that, but uh, this definitely like kind of elevated him to a different level. You you want to know a topic I've been thinking about though? Um, you know, like in the Baseball Hall of Fame, um, you know how you you choose which cap you go in. Uh, you know, hey, I'm Roger Clemens. Should I have a Red Sox cap? Should I have a Blue Jays cap? I've just kind of been thinking about KD because. Obviously, his only two titles are, are with the Warriors. We're, we're talking about him elevating to another level. But um, do you th- I mean, at this point, you'd probably think he'd still go in like with a Thunder jersey. I know they don't choose that in the NBA, but 
it's kind of just something to think about. Like, what do you what do you think he'll be remembered as? Seattle Supersonic. <laughs> That's the one right there. there. <laughs> the Sonics, baby. Seattle Supersonic. I don't know that we know that yet with Kevin. That's the thing. You know, Kevin could do you – know, I mean, he, he might not be great again you know, with this Achilles But if you had thing. to choose right now, TK, what you choose? For, I, think, I think you would choose the team that he won championships with, right? I mean, although, it, you know, they only spent I – mean, Anthony, you did a great job on this. I mean, it really hit me. Like, he spent three years with the Warriors. It felt so long. He spent nine years with the Oklahoma City organization, which started with Seattle. Do you think the Warriors – years completely blow out the Oklahoma City years just in in the weight of history Anthony no not really because I think um what we you know are reminded of in the NBA is like titles aren't everything I think that's what Kevin was kind of reminded of uh the last few years um where I to me I think he made a lot lot bigger impact on the state of Oklahoma the state of or you know in Oklahoma City and I think we saw that in uh, how the departure stung and really I feel like his departure from Oklahoma city still stings that state three years later, more than, you know, Kevin Durant stings the Bay area three weeks later. Um, so um, championships helped that in the Bay area too. Champ- yeah, and no, the for sure. Yeah. For sure. But I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to have a, a net career that will rival the warriors, but I also, you know, I, I think he'll be remembered a little bit more as a Thunder. I think the 30, if you're like, hey, let's do a 30 for 30 on Kevin Durant's career, I think a large, large portion of that will be the Thunder years. So pivot into uh, Andre Iguodala, uh, his departure was so unceremonious that, you know, the Warriors had to send out a release <laughs> like a week later just to to uh, kind of acknowledge him. Uh but Andre was so pivotal, and, and his departure, many Warriors fans have said, hurts more than, than Kevin Durant. Now, I know you follow the league. You, you remember him in Denver. You probably saw him in Philly just as watching as a fan and probably as a young beat writer. Uh, what do you think coming to the Warriors did for Andre, even though his numbers took a drastic dip? I don't think he ever averaged 10 points with the Warriors in a season, but he seemed to have become – so much more popular. He got TK like uh, campaigning for his Hall of Fame status. Annually. <laughs> what do you think of Andre's legacy? I mean, I don't think he makes the Hall of Fame if he doesn't come to the Warriors. And I'm not, you know, we don't know that he will. But the fact that it's even a debate, I don't think it would have been if he just played for, you know, he scored 18 a game the last few years on a Nuggets team that got eliminated in the second round every year. Um, you know, Tim, it's funny. Tim always has the arguments with, with Twitter people about him or Carmelo Anthony. I kind of like him to me, him or Manu Ginobili has become somewhat of a, you know, reasonable comparison. I think most people would take Ginobili probably just because what he did globally with the game. Um, and you know, I think Manu has five titles and we thought we were going to be talking about Niguodal and a Livingston who had four titles by the end of this run, but you know, now only three, uh, but still, I mean, you know, Andre Iguodala, in a different way than Manu was just probably as impactful on a, on a three title run, a five NBA final run. Um, and you know, that, to me that you know, I think makes him a hall of famer and also just elevates him to, to, to an elite level that he just never would have gotten to without joining the Warriors. And he saw it for, that's the other thing you guys know that he envisioned it before we all envisioned it, right? That's why he joined the Warriors. He lost to them and then went, you know, he was the first Durant. Like, I lose to him in a playoff series. I want to be on that team. That's the team I want to be on. I want to be with that guy, Steph Curry. 
he he he's probably he'll go down with the Warriors as a kind of the I think the most intellectual of this like the he kind of thought through everything he saw his fit he saw the team when you know when he in his prime he wanted to move to he saw what Steph Curry was what do you say about Steph when he came on he's like he's he, what do you call him like Jesus or something like that Steph Curry is like the second coming of uh, Jesus Christ uh, I I think Andre will will kind of be the cerebral part of this you know when this dynasty is looked back on you know who who wasn't about his personality so much about it just the, the way he thought through now let's go to Livingston here I don't know if Livingston's gonna play I don't know if you know anything if Livingston's gonna keep playing but if Sean does not play anymore or if, or if he plays quietly for a few years where do you think he fits on kind of the the Warriors pantheon and the NBA pantheon I think when people look at Sean Livingston, they just, you know, they look at post knee surgery or knee injury after, uh, and it's not necessarily like some, you know, huge warriors figure. It's just more what he overcame. You know, he's such a success story, comeback story. Uh, and, and the, this five-year run was just like, I guess, uh, showcase that, you know, on the big stage of, of look what he has, uh, come back from. Um, you know, I, it's it, it kind of stinks for him a little bit that he went out the last couple of years not nearly as impactful. I mean, he did not have a good finals against the Raptors. He really didn't have a good season. Uh, but you guys remember, like, how good was he back in, like, those 2015 finals, 16 finals? Like, he was probably, you know, you can't say equally as important as Iguodala because Iguodala won finals MVPs. But uh, how different a player do you guys remember him being, like, five years ago, that first Warrior season? He was just uh, – I remember him being that reliable – bench piece right I mean towards the end he wasn't that and you kind of didn't know what you were getting but at first man that you put that dude in he was guaranteed to get you three or four mid-range jumpers he was playing defense I remember they put him next to Steph and kind of sped up the pace and put another ball handler on the court he he was reliable I think I think Livingston is going to be one of those dudes who in 10 years when people are talking about how they were Warrior fans, and Sean Livingston is going to be like the uh, the litmus test. Like if you can if you can talk about Sean Livingston, if you can describe what he did, then you then you really were a fan back then. Kind of like you know, like how it is now. If you know like Jeff Gray or or John, or John Taylor, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like John Taylor from the 49ers, right? Like if you if you know about John Taylor, you really knew about the Niners. And if you don't if you if you don't even know who Sean Livingston is. You weren't a real you weren't a real warrior fan back then. I think that's who Sean Livingston is gonna be. He's gonna be remembered by the people who are here and the people who follow closely as somebody who was integral and what he was in the locker room. I mean, you talk to him a lot. Uh, I think he uh, basically was about to <laughs> retire to announce his retirement to you. But uh, what what did he mean in that locker room? Yeah, uh, a ton. Obviously, I mean, that kind of reminds me of David West because uh, you know I covered the David West years, so. Um, just those two on, on separate sides of the locker room almost, you know, it, Kerr always mentioned Iguodala being like the babysitter on the court. Um, but to me, Iguodala was a, you know, he was a important veteran voice, but uh, he kind of was quirky in his own way and kind of would go off on tangents or uh, was maybe a bit more pessimistic. You say he was a baby sometimes? You say he was also <laughs> a baby sometimes and needed sitting? Oh, uh, yeah, I would. I, I would kind of, uh, you know, th there there were moments. Um, but, you know, the other thing with Livingston, though, on the court, uh, everyone kind of credits, you know, Iguodala and the death lineup and the Hampton Five as revolutionizing the game. And Draymond Green's kind of, uh, you know, positionless 
style, but Livingston was very important to that too because he was kind of the sixth piece that if somebody got in foul trouble, if somebody wasn't playing that night, if somebody just needed a quick breather, he was a point guard, but he was also whatever, six foot six and uh, could guard forwards and stuff like that. And like he was the replacement piece within that that kind of kept them clicking when all five of their you know pieces weren't weren't available or, or you know rested. All right, Anthony. We're 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 uh, wrapping up a, a a full dynasty here. We've got many layers to this, but uh, appreciate you coming on, adding your depth and your yeah. You know, I mean, it 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 changed all of our careers. I, I was saying like it, it changed your career a little bit or a lot. Not a little I mean, bit. Just, just, not a yeah. little bit. I mean, if they don't come into Oklahoma City and win uh, that game six, uh, I don't know if Durant comes out here. I don't think he does, and if he doesn't, I probably don't. Um, and then obviously what went beyond that and whatever lies ahead. Yeah, I mean, for sure. The 30 for 30 on Anthony Slater's career is going to be really yeah. interesting. Oh, I'm, man. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch oh, that. Longest, uh, you, you're going to be one of about nine people that's, that's going to watch that. <laughs> All right, Anthony. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right. See you one of the uh, benchmarks of the of the Warriors dynasty are, especially early, right, were all of those players who, you know, they, they weren't superstars, but they were so integral to what the Warriors did and to who they were, right? The uh, the most fates of the world. Uh, yeah, I mean, the number one, I'd say, is Leandro Barbosa. I mean, Kerr still misses him, still would like to have him on this team, I think. And, and maybe one of these young guys turns into a Barbosa-like player. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you say David West, Zaza Pachulia? Uh, you know, the, even Matt Barnes for that one playoff run. He got some minutes. There's, and there's guys who played some key minutes for them. Ian Clark, that you know, were here for a little bit or here for a lot, and then moved on. And they needed them. You know, you need players. Some play, and they need that player exactly. But they need someone to do stuff uh, when in, in to get them through a regular season and then get them through uh, maybe you help for one playoff game, maybe help for one playoff series. Uh, but I, I keep going back to Barbosa for me. He's the, he's the guy that was a quintess- quintessential kind of player like that. And they didn't really get another one like him. I, I mean, I never valued him that highly, but I know how much Kerr did and maybe one of the maddest Kerr ever got second time, second most mad Kerr ever got to me was last question on Barbosa. And, yeah, I see it now. I see, you know, an explosive, dynamic player that can, can complement Steph Curry. Yeah, there's a value in that. And they've had they had a series of those guys uh, over the years. But, again, Barbosa, to me, was probably number one. I'd say, what, West, probably the second most valuable one of those guys over the length of this. Let's get uh, Andy Liu on to talk about the uh, the the warrior greats of non-greatness. <laughs> uh, Andy Liu, chaser of superstars. <laughs> Uh, I need you your started t- that by the way. I not even my fault. I didn't actually start aggregation. it. It's actually not what I said, but hey, it's fine. <laughs> my words are perfectly right for taking out of context and giving to somebody else. But aggregators be damned. But that's not why we're here. We're here to eulogize the Warriors dynasty, and to do that, we've got to talk about some of the underrated players who weren't superstars and how much they were beloved. TK says Barbosa was his. I guess pick as much as he killed Barbosa all the time, he now sees the light <laughs> on Barbosa's value. Who do you say is, you know, is, is like the most memorable, the best, or the most important of the non All Stars during this five year run? And there's one right <laughs> answer, oh, by my, the way. I was, I was just thinking about Leandro Barbosa. I was just thinking like 
man, he probably should have played more in, in that NBA Finals in the 2016 one. Maybe he should actually. You mean ahead of Verzal? You mean ahead? Would have been able to put anybody ahead of him. You know who the right answer is though, and the and the, and the people aren't going to really like this one is Harrison Barnes. Probably the right guy. Oh yeah, you got to explain that, sir. The Black Falcon. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, he didn't. I he died so the, so the, the dynasty could live. Is that what we're going with? <laughs> well, not even that. But do you remember, like, I mean, before the 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 five for thirty two happened in the finals, he was the guy that could guard bigs, right? Remember him? He was banned in the Memphis against series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was guarding bigs. He was making shots. He was making threes. He had a couple big moments in the Houston series. Remember the Western um, Conference the Western finals, Conference. right? Yeah, game yeah. game five in the fourth quarter. He took off. He kind of bailed him yeah, out that, that game. The Harry B was, I mean, Harry like B dunked on Dwight Howard. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, he had moments. Death lineup was not just four guys. Death lineup was five guys. And what made it integral was Harrison Barnes. Like I, I feel like it's he's kind of underrated in history. Like you talk about forgotten guys because it's easy to make fun of Harrison Barnes. He wasn't like the most fun guy, right, to think about or, or talk about or whatever. He didn't I don't know really what you're talking about. He rode around like East that. Oakland with me. I don't know what you mean. He was fun. <laughs> he was, but he was also like one of those tech pros. <laughs> he's, like, he's like mini KD off the court, kind of, actually, now that I think about it. Um, he kind of had both feet in both waters. He was like an SF guy, and he was also an Oakland guy. He kind of worked out perfectly. Uh, he was like the mini KD who ended up replacing him, but I mean, he was the he was the guy that that made that lineup go. Like, who else were gonna you weren't gonna put Leandro Barbosa in there or Mo Spates or I don't know, like Ian Clark or any of those wing guys. Like, you weren't gonna put those guys in there and have it work. Like, he was the guy that made it possible. Well, he wasn't the guy that made it possible. But he was like the perfect. No, he kind of was though. Remember, I, I do think part of the reason his shot failed was because he bulked up because he was trying to guard power forwards and I remember he told me that before the season he's like I've got stronger I got bigger because he had to bang with these fours in this death lineup I do think that affected his shot so so Harrison Barnes made the made the great sacrifice right well he could guard him too though it wasn't like he was trying to he didn't do what like he could he could legitimately guard him in the post it's kind of like how Clay can play the three um, and he could easily play the three and he was even guarding you know the bigger wings he was even guarding LeBron last season too like Harry B would downsize like that and play the four. Like, oh man, I, I got Harrison Barnes memory now. Remember when he dunked on uh, on Tolliver in that Minnesota game? Remember well, when he dunked made... on Pekovic, Nikola Pekovic, oh, right down the middle. That's what it was. Uh, uh, yeah, that that's when he became Black Falcon. Like, remember he had branded himself Black Falcon, and he didn't have a Black Falcon yeah. moment until then. But he, <laughs> but then it became official. Black Falcon. It's interesting you bring up Harrison Barnes because I was thinking the quintessential non-superstar player that everybody will love from this Warriors era has got to be Mo Spates. Like, it's Mo Buckets. Uh, He was the one everybody beloved. He's like the celebrated bench player. Even now, like, he's still, like, revered in a way, you know, because of his style of play, how he come in and hit threes. It was super unorthodox, this big dude out there shooting threes and he would get hype, but he just kind of, he was the energy and the fun of it. So, but now you bring up this Harrison Barnes, even though he was a starter, you might, you might have me, you might have me on HB <laughs> well, as the most important non-superstar. It, yeah. Important one. But you know, what's funny too, with most spaces, man, the Warriors could use him last year, could use him two years ago, could definitely use him this year. 
just in terms of a guy that just injects energy, like he was fun. He was fun to watch. Like I don't know if he was that good at basketball because like on defense he was pretty bad, and sometimes they play him with a five or whatever. But I mean, most base was a guy that made basketball fun to watch. Like, do we really find basketball that much fun to watch in the regular season in the past year? You know, like when they were talking about you know youthful energy and stuff like that. I mean, I could have used the most space, but. Um, yeah, I mean that strength in numbers was real. <laughs> was real for a couple seasons. So, uh, if you were to get a tattoo of a non Warriors All Star, who is it? Is it Harrison Barnes? <laughs> uh, for the for a tattoo, it'd definitely be most Bates. Oh, it would definitely be. What would you get? Like Mo buckets across your stomach, like Thug Life? Oh yeah, I was just <laughs> I was just watching. I was just I was just looking up some names and, and highlights. Remember he had that missed dunk in the NBA Finals. Remember that game? Oh, did that cost the him a game? Did that cost him the game? I thought it did. I thought it did. Was that game did they, seven? Did they lose? That's kind of what I thought. That might have been uh, game seven. Which I, uh, which I was just like, huh, man, is that why he didn't play down the stretch? Um, I thought it was game two, though, but who knows? We'll, we can say it's game seven. It might be game two. Uh, might but, be that, but, uh, but you kind of remember him back to those moments because he, he had a little JaVale in him. I just um, remember there was a bit of, like, everybody wanted to see Steph shoot a bunch of threes. And it was all about the threes and the shooting and the, and the igniting. And most space was the dude who kept the party going. Like he came off the bench yeah. chucking threes, and it was like, yeah, the party don't stop. After most space, it became like the party stopped when Stephen yeah. <laughs> was out the game. Right then, it was like, all right, it's grit and grind, it's defense. But most space was like, nah, uh, we got another splash brother out here. Like, but it was for real. What like a joke when it was when it's like Demarcus Cousins and you call him the splash cousin, like. Most space was really like a splash cousin for real, and for me that kept the party going. Like that's the like it were he were, like when you think of the Celtics championship team, you think of Big Baby and Nate Robinson like acting like Shrek and uh <laughs> right remember that <laughs> where <laughs> Nate Robinson is on his back and he's like slob like you remember these characters. Yep. I feel like most space is the is the guy who brought the fun that everybody will remember like throughout throughout all of it. What's crazy though is. Kevon Looney will be a Hall of Famer in that number, so space will be erased from history eventually, right? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta forget those those little fun moments, though. Like, uh, remember we gonna be championship? You remember we Andrew gonna be Barbosa? championship? Yeah. You remember that? You remember that that first year? We're gonna be championship. That stuff was fun. Where like just little kind of moments where the path towards winning a championship was not all right. Let's play 82 games. Let's get this over with, and then let's turn it up for the postseason. Nah, like it, it was like legitimately every month, every game was fun. And you had all these little sound bites and stuff like that. I mean, like you you throw Ian Clark earlier, MT. You texted me Ian Clark, and um, he had this moment with Kevin Durant the first season where he like Ian Clark went off um, for like 20 points or something in like 15 minutes, and he had this like very like gif worthy moment where he's like doing the finger. Uh, to KD. Yeah, and they're pointing at and each like other, and it looks. Yeah, 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 I remember that. They're smiling. When, when was the last time KD was smiling? Uh, <laughs> Here you warriors. go. Here you go. Turning uh, the funeral into some shade. <laughs> nope. This is a memorialization. This is a happy moment. We about to eat cake and dance in the streets. Stop trying to be negative. Matter of fact, you out of I'm here. You, you the one ruining the funeral. <laughs> Goodbye, Andy Lou. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, oh, bro. Thank I appreciate you, it. Thanks, brother. Thanks, guys. Take care. I think, TK, we got to talk about, like, how you switching 
sides on Leandro like that, by the way. Because now that I think oh, about it's it, because I you were used to kill Barbosa. It gives me more credibility when I say, you know what? I do see the light on it. I think I think they did. I think I wrote you that only saw the, the light after he no, was no, gone. No, no, no. It was like right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> right at the end. It wasn't at the beginning. Right he at, said, like, let's, let's like, see. Ian Clark, Pat McCall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe I Barbosa said, was good. I said, you know what? Okay. You know what got me on that one is when I saw Steph like playing with them so much. That's That was so clear. Remember they started putting them together at the end of Steph the first quarter. liked playing with him, and like, okay, that this makes some sense. If Steph loves closing the quarter with Leandro Barbosa, loves closing the first and third, there's something to what Kerr's saying. But it wasn't statistically, it wasn't his defense, it wasn't his passing, but there was some kind of chemistry there with, with Curry. It's the same thing with Curry and David Lee. You know, you, no one's ever going to accuse me of being a David Lee honk, but... I would I credited him with being somebody that had good chemistry with Steph Curry, and that matters a lot because Steph Curry's the best player. Even back then, it was clear that that this whole thing had to be shaped around him and players who played good with him. Anthony Tolliver would be another. One. You know, oh, uh, you know what? Uh, you know, Bazemore. The, you know, these guys who had chemistry with with Kit Curry early in his career, going towards the middle and the start Jared of Jack. Steve, Jared Jack, absolutely. Those are important. You know, well, Draymond Green gets a starting job and, and explodes largely because of how much chemistry he had with, with, with Steph Curry. All these things were important as this thing was building. So the Leandro Barbosa ability to blend and in many ways accentuate Steph Curry was a big point. And I did see that at the end. Didn't see it in the beginning. I did see it at the end. I just, this is not complete 2020 rearview mirror. It's a little bit... Like, okay, I'll give Kerr this. Yeah, I, I'm still going with Mo Buckets. Mo Buckets kept the party lit, but I do... I think Andy Lou has a good point about Barnes. Barnes is a good one. I mean, uh, I don't think of him just because he was a starter. Yeah, he was a starter. You know, and seventh overall pick. You know, these are they tanked to get Harrison Barnes. So it's hard for me to put him in a supplementary role, but he kind of was. He started over Andre Iguodala. So we wouldn't say Andre Iguodala is in this category. So it, it, I kind of don't put him there, but but – Andy makes a lot of great points. And by the way, I couldn't talk on that because we only have one microphone that works with people on the phone. I thought so you people, just didn't so want to talk to your Asian think brother. I was, I was sitting he, this he out. He didn't want to talk to his Asian like, brother. We, That's we, what it was. We literally have one Cold microphone. Blooded. and We have to push it back and Cold forth. Blooded. And it doesn't quite work. I don't know. That way. It worked out for the last interview. I yeah, don't know why it didn't pushing, work out for Andy Lou. We're pushing it back and forth. Let's see if it works again because we got Sam Amick coming and on. By the way, Marcus <laughs> produced this whole thing without sure, telling me. And I all sure these things happening is a surprise to me. You'll survive. You'll be good. This is a. I'm adjusting. This is honoring. So we we got to deal with the foundation of all this as we properly funeralize the dynasty of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, it doesn't really begin without Steph Curry. Uh, obviously, we all know that. There's a great book on it called Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry <laughs> that, is, that chronicles this. But looking back, we're five years in, Sam. Looking back, you've seen it all from the beginning. Uh, what, what do you think – this five-year dynasty kind of did to Steph Curry's career and his place in history? First of all, props to you, my friend, for going 27 seconds before dropping the golden shout-out. That was pretty good. Right. Respect. Um, takes, absolutely. Huge respect. Takes me to the days when the, the book first came out and you were working that into press conferences and, and whatnot. But, I mean, first of all, it's funny when you texted me about this topic, I was kind of laughing at myself. Like it feels weird for obvious reasons to memorialize folks who are still going to try to do their thing. It's like being at a, at a funeral and looking up and, and seeing the person who's being celebrated. But like we all know, this is going to be different. And certainly this chapter is done. I, you know, for Steph in particular, um, I mean, it's an incredible 
rise. Um, and a guy who, I mean, you know the story better than anybody, the, his ability to go from, you know, kind of fringe, not fringe rotation player, but a guy who did some nice things his rookie year. We didn't know if he'd ever be an all-star caliber type guy to changing the game uh, stylistically and leaning into what he did best, continuing to evolve every single year. To the Warriors' credit, I know we're going to get to one of the other foundational guys, Mr. Thompson, in, in a little bit here, too. No, Marcus, I, Marcus was I not do, a foundational part of this, by the way. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, the other, fair. What's up, TK? I didn't know you are with us. Um, like, the, the Clay Thompson factor, like, all these, you, you had a perfect storm here for Steph, where it's like everything he did well, he leaned into, and he, and he developed, and he can, you know, continued to, to grow in his own lane. And then his fit with Clay and the way that Clay for all these years kind of helped Steph, you know, get covered on the defensive end in different ways and how they just meshed in the, in the kind of way that it was such a huge part of their story. Uh, I mean, they've all got their legacies, Steph more than anybody. And, and, and one that I still do think one aspect that I think gets overlooked and not talked about enough is, is the fact that, that he personality wise was the X factor and was the key from a, like a spiritual standpoint, almost, in them having the ability to have this Kevin Durant chapter. I mean, this whole, that whole thing doesn't happen if he's not sitting in that room in the Hamptons, as you guys know so well, just looking at Kevin, looking at Rich Kleiman and saying, I can, I can move my ego to the side and, and do this. So, you know, he's the number one guy. He's the epicenter of, of, of all of it. But then from there, I just, I think I'm never going to stop being amazed at how the fit was so incredible with, with he and Clay and Draymond. Sam, I'll just say – you know, other player, I forget which ex-player might have said this, but, and we don't need to go on about this, but it's an interesting point. Do you think Steph's legacy is still up for grabs? Like, he's, there's, the Warriors have to win something fairly major for him to maintain his place or get a place way up there with the LeBrons and the, anyone else you want to put up there? Do you think there's some amount of jeopardy for him to fall back to, oh, you're a Dirk Nowitzki player? You know, I mean, I, I don't want to di- you know, downplay any of these Hall of Fame players, but, you know, we know there's an upper, sure. upper level, and he has been yeah. at it, right, for, for five years. But is there some, like, okay, fall back, and you're, you know, whatever. Moses Malone, incredible player, but he isn't talked about, like, the top, top, top. Is Steph maybe kind of on the borderline of something like this? I think so, and I think he knows that. In fact, Marcus, when you talk to him up in Tahoe, I, 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 that, that column was insightful from that standpoint. Like, you could tell Steph's competitiveness coming through Yeah, he ain't right doing now. no dang that, load management, huh? He like, forget no, that. <laughs> no. The load management edge was funny. Uh, the end of it, when you asked him if they were going to be in the playoffs and he thought you were, like, making a statement, and I could see the look on his face when he's like, wait, did you just ask me if we're going to be in the playoffs? <laughs> you know that look, like, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, and I love, you know, I love that part of his fabric that we didn't come to learn about until I think late in his career where it's like, you know, he's got the politician smile. He's a friendly guy. He's a wholesome guy. But then in his head, he's literally sitting there tallying up all of the perceived slights. And he has that Michael Jordan thing. It just doesn't come with a snarl like it did with MJ or so many other top tier players. But he, you know, he, he knows the noise right now. He knows the narrative. And to your question, Tim, I think a hundred percent he is in danger of falling back. Now, now there's a, there's a basement. There's like a, you know, he can only fall so far. Floor, He's already right, one yeah. of the greats. Yeah. A floor rather like there's a floor, but you know, if he wants to be a guy who's talked about top 20 of all time, 
like I think he's, you know, he's been in that conversation for a while now, then he has to exert his kind of his will on his game and his team going forward and to be dominant again, because that's the thing. I mean, I'll still say to this day, I mean, covering that 402 three-pointer season was the most incredible thing I've covered will probably always be the most incredible thing I've covered in terms of like a, an entire campaign. I always kind of laugh because this is me getting caught up in the moment in the, late in that season, as we all tried to find like more and more adjectives to describe what Steph was doing. I remember talking to Andre in the hallway at Oracle and, you know, Andre with his, his kind of that old head status when he played with Allen Iverson <clears throat> played against Michael, all those types of things. Like I said to Andre one time, I was like, is there any chance, you know, that he could be the best of all time? And as much as Andre loves Steph, he looked at me like, what did you just say? <laughs> like, but in that season, like that, it's just, you saw this guy who you, you couldn't be stopped and he hit every single shot and, and it was incredible. But, you know, yeah, Tim, if he, I think if he, if he struggles to, to be dominant, if he struggles to be a guy who's in the conversation for a top five, and I don't, I don't think that he'll struggle, but we just haven't seen it in a while. We've seen him try to fit in with Kevin and the rest of that group. So, I mean, that for me, that's the number one thing I'm dying to see from the Warriors this year. I think almost a little bit more surprising than Steph's rise. I think nobody expected Steph's rise to be that high for him to get to that level where you're talking about him amongst the best in the game. But, like, in hindsight, you know, I guess you could say there's – it, it probably makes a little sense he, the way he can shoot and his the pedigree of his father. Yeah. It feels like what Draymond has been able to pull off is almost as impressive because what's his great tool, right? <laughs> like what's his game-changing element? But he's somehow become nearly as foundational as Steph has while also like almost on the edge of blowing it up once or twice, right, of, like, ruining it. So right, right, uh, right. W- w- there's some people who think Draymond's not that good, right? We saw him in the general manager's poll where he's, like, considered the most overrated, and fans will say, dude doesn't average 10 points. How can he be good? But, like, when we're talking about this in 20 years, what do you think we'll say about Draymond? Well, I mean, that it's a little bit like Steph where that conversation is going to keep going. Even today, I saw an aggregated tweet from Fox Sports and, and I forget who said it, but somebody said that they didn't think Draymond was a, a top 40 player. And and uh, I think it was Drew Schiller from NBC Sports Bay Area had kind of commented was, that he thought that was crazy. Was Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb said it. It was Gottlieb, yeah. And so that narrative is still there. And this is the sacrifice that all these guys made when they, A, when they all got so good, you know, in, in the kind of, you know, perfect timing way that they did and they had their own rise. And then when they added to it by adding Kevin, they, they all knew when they left the Hamptons that, that you know, this is the kind of, you know, skepticism that was going to come their way. And you could always have this debate about how great each of them was individually uh, because of the, the, the context and the landscape. With Draymond, though, it's funny, and this is, uh, I'm curious if you guys have ever heard this little anecdote. And this is the joy of podcasts. You can kind of riff and share stuff that, like, I'm pretty sure I have this story you know, fairly close to accurate. And if not, I'm sure Draymond will will hear about it and and check me when I see him. But like when he first came into the league, do you guys remember the the name of his first agent? I want to say it was, uh, Hal was his first name. Does that ring a bell at all? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember that. Okay. So, so bottom line, the name doesn't matter. His first agent in the league, I was told, and I've been meaning to ask Draymond about this, like 
he was extremely strong when it came to getting guys jobs uh, overseas and in Germany. And as the story goes, like Draymond was so convinced that his NBA run was going to be, you know, potentially that short that he wanted to make sure that he had a guy who could get him paid overseas. And this is when he's coming in and, and, and David Lee's got the starting job and, and he just kind of had it in his head from the Michigan State days that, you know, I know I'm good at what I do, but I don't fit in today's NBA. He was the tweener, which is the term that we never even talk about anymore. Conditioning certainly was a problem. He wasn't a physical specimen. Uh, you know, what position was he? All those questions that we analyzed the first couple of years. And then, you know, since this is the memorializing pod for these guys, like, I still don't think Draymond gets enough credit for for changing the entire conversation around, you know, guys who could play multiple positions, guys who could play both ends of the floor. Like all of a sudden, you know, you had teams run out trying to find, you know, their Draymond and their guy who could guard four spots, five spots even, and and be a playmaker and, you know, do all these things other than scoring that, that helps your team win. So, you know, Draymond's rise is, is certainly unique in its own way. And then you kind of hinted at this, Marcus, but just, the dichotomy of his incredible, like innate leadership skills and the way that he can ride, you know, kind of elevate the level of competition from the guys around him. You, how many times do we hear them say that in the locker room, he gave an incredible speech, Draymond got us going, you know, and then you have that day at the office when the fuse runs too hot and all of a sudden there's a November 12th Clippers situation on your hands. So um, such a fascinating dude, but but certainly a huge part of this whole thing too. Yeah, and just just to put a cap on that. He's a guy. Probably Joe Lagu's favorite player. He's also the only player on the team that he suspended. Uh, it's this. Right. Uh, it's the weird combination there. Uh, okay, we got to say right. Clay Thompson. I'm I, I've written, I believe, that his moment of hobbling back on court after tearing his ACL, shooting those free throws, and then trying to continue playing, uh, backpedaling on defense, was the number one moment I can remember at Oracle Arena. Just the emotions of it, what was at stake, what we knew was ending with that, what he meant, what he means, what this comeback means to, to, to the dynasty. Uh, where, where would you put Clay Thompson just to, as a spirit, as a player, uh, into this whole kind of thing that we're trying to draw up on the dynasty? This is a little bit of a cliche analogy, but I, I still think it works. Like there is a Jenga component to this group. Like the what if scenario is if you take Clay out, you know, then like I said earlier, oh man, like then is Steph struggling during the early years anyway, struggling so much defensively that he can't become the offensive player that he would become if you take Draymond out you know, how does that impact the group? You know, these are all what-if scenarios we're never going to know the answers to. But with Clay, you had, like, for one, I mean, you guys were there every single day. First four or five years, it's like that guy who's just quiet as a mouse, doesn't say boo. Like, now he's become China Clay. He's become, you know, funny, you know, TMZ the guy Clay. who lives his best. <laughs> yeah, like, now he's, like, the entertaining, you know, try to live with my vibe on your best day and you still can't do it, Clay. And that's what everybody aspires to, and, and it's it's hilarious. But in the beginning, it was just church mouse Clay. I mean, I remember, so when Clay worked out for the Kings, like a quick side story, uh, going into the draft, I'm at AOL Fan House. I'm trying to find a, a unique angle because I can't. Jeez, I'm not, I'm not the Kings guy anymore. AOL Fan House? <laughs> Man. I sure did. 
Shout out Fan House. That's how this first time I went national, man. That's how I got on the national beat. Yes. So I'm at Fan House and I'm trying to, I'm not the Kings guy anymore. And I'm trying to find a unique angle. So Clay Thompson's in town and, and he had gotten in trouble at Washington State for possession and like of, of marijuana. And I remember thinking like, all right, is this unfair to like talk to this guy? My, my attitude at the time was that, that I had noticed that he had not been given a chance to just kind of speak on it and, you know, and essentially say whatever his perspective was. But we all know that when it comes to the draft, it's like, well, listen, these are things that get talked about internally, like fair or not. Um, why not let the young guy kind of have a voice? So, I'm, you know, I remember like I never met him first time I met the guy. And I, you know, you know, you guys know how sometimes you don't deliver the question the way you want to. This was one of the rare times where I, you know, I was pretty tactical about it and, and pretty low key, like, hey, this is out there and I haven't seen you speak on it. Like, do you feel like sharing your thoughts, you know, kind of give him the microphone and he couldn't have handled it any better. Um, just kind of packaged it in the kind of way where you just kind of shrugged and said, okay. And it's just weird. So you go from that to, you know, all right, where's this young shooter going to land? And he goes to the Warriors. I never knew at that time that he could defend the way that, that he could. Um, because he but could. then if you fast forward, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, he was so skinny, too. That's the other thing we forget. I mean, he's he's just gotten so much stronger over the years and, and even more athletic. Like, remember when it was weird to see Clay dunk? Yeah, yeah. You know, and now it's like some of these dunks in the playoffs. I mean, he's bringing the hammer down. Um, but in terms of legacy, what I love about Clay is just – that thing where we have been programmed to assume that at some point a young rising star, and, and there's nothing wrong with this at all, but they will want to, if they're not getting enough of the spotlight, they will want to go somewhere where the spotlight is bigger and brighter and they will want more of it. And, you know, never more so than you forget the summer, but the infamous summer when they were talking about trading them to Minnesota and the idea that at that time, when you talk to Clay's people, he didn't want to go. He didn't want to go be this. I mean, granted, it's Minnesota, but I, I don't think he would have wanted to go to L.A. at that point. He didn't want to be the guy, the epicenter, the, the focus of all the attention. He was loving his warrior's life, and he was kind of on the edge of his seat, just hoping they didn't move him for Kevin Love. And, you know, we know how that story went. They hold on to him, and, and the rest is history. But that part, I always found so interesting because I was skeptical at the time, like, man, there's no way. Like, this guy's going to want to bounce at some point. And even this summer, we saw again, you know, there was a little bit of noise. Man, like, it, it now the time? I know, I know. But there was just like, when you had, if ever he was going to go somewhere, this when you it. had this runway to L.A., you know. And even like, if you did the Clippers thing. Because we know how competitive he is and how nobody thought he was going to Lakers because he wants to go at LeBron instead of play with LeBron. Because he is very competitive. So you could go be the Clippers guy bring somebody with you, you know, go reunite with Jerry West. And yeah, you're right. I mean, that was never happening. And, and here we are. So that's, that's probably my favorite part of, of his fabric. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for helping, uh, you know, do your part in uh, the funeral. I imagine you have on a black suit with a black shirt and a black tie <laughs> as you give your eulogy. Because this is, this is a At black funeral. End- don't make no that's mistake fair. about it. Tanika, our producer, is going <laughs> to fall out at any moment because that has to happen at black funerals. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm wearing I'm wearing my Mark Jackson suit. I got oh, the, uh, you know. with the red tie. <laughs> yeah, somebody's getting whacked. Got you. Thanks a lot. Sam. I can't Appreciate wait. It. Let me. I'll, I'll let y'all go with this. Are you going to have these guys on at the end? I, I hope you tell them that they've been 
memorialized. I can't wait to hear the, the, the noise that comes your way when they hear that you uh, you put them to bed. Oh, yeah, they're going to bed. But, they, but they'll wake up. At least <laughs> Steph, Clay, and, and Draymond will wake up eventually. There you go. Thanks you for go. coming All on, right, guys. Thank you if you got it. See ya. I, I, do, I do kind of feel like because Clay didn't care, this was able to happen. I yeah, remember. Yeah. I remember when Draymond started becoming. You know, Draymond's a very, you know, big personality. And remember, he took David Lee's spot. He became a starter. He became an All Star. I remember walking around All Star, and was trying to follow Steph. And I remember I was promised a Steph interview that didn't happen because he was getting all these other interviews. So I was like, all right, let me get on Draymond and. Draymond got all these people around him. And, you know, the Warriors only had so many security mm-hmm. and PR people. So Raymond and, and Ralph was with Steph. And then uh, it was Ralph. Ra- oh, Ralph Walker. Ralph Walker, yeah. PR guy security, Ralph. Yeah. Uh, and then they had uh, – it was Terrence West was the other security guy. And uh, I forgot – Dan Martinez mm-hmm. was with Draymond. And basically it was just Clay and Brett Winkler. He had no security. <laughs> like It was just Clay and Brett Winkler. And I remember thinking, like – I remember, I remember it was Splash Brothers. That's how it started. Yep. It was yep. Splash Brothers yep. in Denver. It was all about the Splash. It was these two guys who shot threes like crazy. And then suddenly Draymond was this star, and he was very vocal. And Clay didn't mind at all. Mm-hmm. So, like, like it, it, that that was the perfect situation for them to clash, yep. and he went out. But because Clay didn't care, Draymond was able to become this this star figure, and Clay never yeah, – and, and that's why there was enough room to bring Duran in. Yep, absolutely. I mean, you know, like if you had twin superstars there, twin massive scoring egos, Durant would never win. I mean, you know, it was with one, it was already, like, questionable to Durant, but that, that was two guys that were easy to play with that he didn't have to worry about and he didn't, weren't going to be measuring shots. Well, of course, Clay said, I ain't moving aside for anything. I would take as many shots, which, which he did, but – yeah, the personality load was so low and continues to be so low, even as he gets more talkative, even if he's, you know, more and more established and more important and everyone knows this. It's the there isn't this, oh, my God, what are we, what are we going to get from Clay today? Well, what's his mood going to be today? That never happens. He just wants to play. He wants a ball and he wants to go hang out with Rocco. And all the other stuff is just not that important to him. And. That was huge for them, and will will continue to be huge for them. And you know, as we see them come back, and as they try to build new people around them, you know, and they maybe they don't have that with Jordan Poole, maybe they don't have that with some of the other people, but you know, D'Angelo Russell, and that's where I keep saying it's going to be different because they're going to be different, and and that that's the demarcation point. They've got a they they were adding players who fit, who fit, who fit, who fit, and now they're adding key pieces that who knows how they're going to fit into that locker room. We have no idea. And when you have no idea, at least 50% of the time or more, they don't fit. So uh, I remember as my as my closing thoughts. You know, this is a two-hour podcast here. I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, being in Cleveland for the, uh, you know, like game six. Remember the Warriors had that thing where you, you're up 50. If once they were 15, they were going to yeah, win. Yeah, that was so their – that was – which year was that? It was a 73 win team? It was, no, it was the, the first one. Okay. The very first okay. one. Okay. Okay. And it's like if they got up by 15, I think they were like 57 yeah. and 0 yeah. or something crazy. And I remember them hitting 15. And I think that might have been the day the presses were breaking. Yes. At, no, 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 no. The press were breaking was Durant's three point. Okay, Durant's three. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a difference. That's so a difference we were, yeah. I remember it's like, okay, we got to write this championship story. And they had one before. Mm-hmm. I remember. Uh, in that moment, because, you know, I grew up a Warriors fan with my dad, right? We were watching this, and 
my wife scarcely cares about basketball, right? <laughs> like at all. Uh, my daughter was too young. My mother doesn't care. Like, and you know, it was just like that moment where it was like, yo, the Warriors are really about to win the championship. And I wanted to call, I wanted like to tell somebody, but you know, my father died in 2001. So it was like that moment where I was like, I wanted to call somebody and I couldn't call them because I couldn't believe it was actually happening, right? It was like, we knew it was gonna happen, Mm -hmm. but then it became like official, like they were gonna win. I think LeBron checked out of the game Mm -hmm. And then he came and gave, like, these little half-hearted daps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could tell he was hot. But it was like, yo, they're going to win. And I remember, like, and it hit me that, like, that moment was one of one of those moments, like, 15, 14 years later where it hits you, like, when somebody's gone. Like, mm-hmm. I had those, like, when yep. my dad died yep. before. You but wanted that, to have the conversation. That was a moment have. right there. Yep. It was like, yo, my dad is really not here. Yep. I remember, like, and I'm trying to keep it together because we got to write. Yeah. <laughs> right? but By I'm the like, way, I got 20 minutes to write. I'm, like, also. falling apart. Yeah. I'm, like, crying. And just, like, I'm trying to write. Like, yo, I'm not going to be able to write, like, probably the biggest story in Warriors history because we didn't know there were going to be two more no, of these, right? No, it was no. just, like, the Warriors really won a championship, mm-hmm. and I can't even write because, like, my nose is running in my, you know what I'm saying? I don't remember. That's my great moment. Okay. Okay. I don't think I was sitting with you because remember how the seats were all spread? I don't remember. Oh, you know what happened? I think you went down. I I don't even remember. I think you might have been. Oh, I was. I might have been writing. I think you went down. Yeah, Yeah, I think you went down. Because remember, it got crazy. They started wheeling out stuff. You got to get to the Yeah, you got to get to the I think you went down. I didn't go down, but I remember, like, yo, I'm. Like, that moment will always be, like, a part of his me because it was like. I couldn't believe it actually happened, even though you knew it was going to happen. I just remember, I just remember Game Four. Remember when Steve made the lineup change, and then that's all fine, whatever. And then I'm in the press room because we have to write so fast back then when we had those crazy deadlines, which we do not have now, by the way. Uh, and I'm so in, in that room. Remember the the, the press conference is in the front right of the room. There, yeah. We're writing in the back of the room. And I, and I told Tim Calacami, I lied to Tim Calacami. What yeah, you, the he hell? lied to you yeah. earlier. What yeah. was the lie? Shoot right? around. I said, are you going to make a change and, and take Bogut out of the starting lineup? And he said, no, 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 we're going to keep it the same. And then they take Bogut out of the starting lineup, put Iguodala in. Whatever. I mean, again, I, I wasn't outraged by it. This is a coaching thing. And I understand that you, you don't always say it, but I did ask the question. So yeah, I just hear my name and Kerr saying, yeah, I'm not, you know, national TV being beamed everywhere. I lied to Tim Calicom. What the hell's going on over there? So I got up. I happened to catch at the end. He run right into him. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I apologize for that. I lied to you. Oh, yeah, he was feeling it. He's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he still talks to about it. It's like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm glad you feel so terrible about lying to me, but I, I, I do get the competitiveness of it. But uh, I will. That's what I remember about that that series being in Cleveland. Other than it felt like we were in Cleveland for about eleven straight months over these five years. But uh, that part, I don't remember the end so much. You know, I, re- I remember Steph with the ball and throwing throwing it up and all those things. But I remember Kerr <laughs> just hearing Kerr say that in the back of that room. Where's Tim Calcomi? Yeah, I got to apologize to him because I lied to him. It was very Did you ridiculous. see live when Kerr and Myers was crying and hugging each other and when they won in 17? Yeah, I saw a little. I think I saw it quickly. I saw it this time when they lost. Yeah. I was watching them amid the, the, the celebration of Toronto. I saw them. I think I remember seeing it. Yeah, I think I did see that. And yeah, their, their emotion that was really. Yeah, I remember looking. Yeah, I was yeah, like, "Are yeah, they crying? Yeah, Are they crying?" Yeah. And then I saw Myers wipe his face. I'm like, yeah. "Yo, they're crying." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in public with all these people watching. I mean, you know, it's just, but they it's had just, been through a lot. That you know? was that was the incredible stuff they went through. Obviously, Steve had been through, and Myers, Bob had been through with his wife's brother dying. You just yeah, there there are these singular moments that, that are freeze framed. I think for all of us, I think we haven't got to all of them, but. 
Um, you know, I'll remember Durant and Bill Russell in that room that we were yeah, when they celebrated. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, that yeah. I was like that. You felt that's in the photo room, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. You felt the magnitude of that. You just felt like you could tell Kevin felt it. You could tell Bill Russell felt it. You could tell everybody in the room, like, oh my God, there's Bill Russell, who's like I think was being wheeled up there in a yeah, wheelchair. Yeah. Then gets up and they're talking, and, and I still like. I remember that more than the game where they won it. I remember that. I'm, obviously, I remember the Durant three the previous year to you know in the Cleveland uh, to win it in Cleveland. No, no, that's right. That was the same year because they, they yeah, win yeah. game three to go up three zero and then lose game four, four then win game back five home, back yeah. in, in Oakland. But I, I like I don't remember a lot like frozen moments from that first championship. Other than the Kerr thing and other than Steve yelling at me during the Memphis series, but that I was a whole lot. Uh, you know, little things like that. You remember? I remember blue hearing about the Blue City Cafe. I remember. I mean, that I remember. That for like, I remember when someone said that happened, and I asked Draymond about it. I went, "Wow, that was something special." Th- th- those are the things when you lived through it. Like you were talking about, like litmus test for fans, yeah. like litmus test for writers. Oh yeah. Like w- yeah. What what was the real like? What we you and I always know the most important series in the history of this dynasty, the Memphis, Memphis series. Yeah. That was the key. They didn't know they, if they were going to win that series. And they were getting yeah. manhandled. They were getting beat yeah. up. They didn't know. They did not know. And they fought through that series, and then they knew. That's when they knew. And and the they, biggest shot of that series? I'm trying to think now. I don't know. The three-quarter quarter. Well, that was yeah, that wasn't a big. That was just the most ridiculous shot. That was, that was it. Yeah. I remember <laughs> yeah. sitting next to you, yeah, that thing, yeah. and you were like, in. that's it. Yep. This series is over. You started writing. <laughs> yeah. it's like, it was yeah. the end of the third quarter. Yeah. He was like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, I remember, well, again, we talked about presses breaking because we had to write like crazy that game, when the press broke, game game three of the of the 2017 s- series in Cleveland. And they're down nine. Remember, like, yeah. down seven, down nine. And, like, we had to write. And I go, you know what? They cut it to nine or cut it to – I'm writing that they're going to win. I just, I'm just i writing that they're going to win. And I, if, the, if I can't get that story in and it, or they change and it's stupid, it's going to be stupid because I think they're going to win. And they won. They're just, there was something about that team when they got that thing going – they're, they're going you could feel it, and yeah. that was the year they had won <laughs> 14 straight up in that to that point, yep. and that was the 15th game. And Durant hits that three, yep. walks walks into the three on the on the corner with LeBron backing up. Uh, the, the yeah, there, there's these frozen moments that we're all gonna remember, and I think we mentioned we mentioned about 10 of them, and and there's or KD like losing his mind on the court with the game still going on. He's, like, doubled over. He can't believe it. He's freaking out. And then Steph ends up hitting a three from the other side on Kyrie. But, like, if you if you watch it, KD is, like, really. I don't Andre, that, yeah. Andre had to come get him, like, yeah. yo, we still playing because mm-hmm. he just at half court, he's, like, he's bent over. He can't believe he's about to win a championship. And they're, like, yo, come on, you still. As a matter of fact, Draymond had to point to him and say, Andre, go get him because <laughs> they're, like, playing offense and, and KD is, yeah, like, yeah. Having a and moment. Not winning by a hundred either at that no, time. No, it was like <laughs> I think Steph's three kind. Of, I mean, you yeah. knew they were gonna win, yeah. but Steph's like doing all this dribbling and hits a three over Kyrie, a little mini version of redemption. Was that the, that's when Andre stripped LeBron. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, that was that was, that was it, they yeah. had a, they could have tied the game. Yeah, that there. was it. That yeah. was that series. Yeah. So, man, it, are 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 you ready for another five year dynasty? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm ready for pause. By the way, D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> we we hey, need a first round hey, exit as much as they do. Hey, if they want to go off on a dynasty, that's fine. Uh, they, they, you do what you do, but I could use, like, I'm already thinking, like, I don't have to, like, brace for, you know, seven straight weeks of travel. I don't have to think about, the, you know, making sure everybody can get through that. And I don't know that you almost didn't make it, by the way. You almost oh, didn't me? make it. You almost didn't no, make I it. I made it. I was good. Uh, and 
I you know I was ready for Game Seven. We need. You want interesting stories. You want interesting times. You want interesting teams. You want all this stuff. We're ready for a little bit of a break on the Warriors right now. I'll just say, just just uh, you know, body and soul, and still want them to be interesting. Still want them to play important games. We don't need them to go through to Game Six of the Finals next season. But if they do, I'm cool with that too. Uh, we have solicited some people to line up, line up over here, right over here in the aisle, right over here behind the lady in the white hat. We want you to line up, and we need you to give your closing remarks. We're going to have to ask you to keep it two minutes because we got potato salad and chicken in the back that we don't want it to get cold because you're talking too much. So, closing remarks, your final memories, your, your thoughts as we send the Warriors dynasty into a better place. And we're going to start with... We're going to start with you, 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 uh, the beautiful young woman right there. How, how about you start us off? I'm Ann Killian, and I have many fond memories of the late departed Warriors dynasty. What I will remember most is probably just the greatness, the, the greatness of the play, the excitement, the, um, the fun. I, it, they were super fun to watch, fun to cover. Uh, fun to just witness the rise, um, especially for any of us who've been around for a long time and saw how bad they were. It was just, it was a lot of fun. I think, I think it will be remembered so fondly um, uh, for years and years to come because they took everyone on a ride. And it, it, you know, there's, there, there are great teams that are super efficient and and um, methodical in what they do, and then there are teams that are just fun to the way they play the way they kind of the way the 49ers were back in the day when they were just executed to a, such perfection that it was just dazzling to watch and that that's kind of the way the warriors were um just super fun i mean i i think it'll always go down as one of the greatest things i ever covered there was a sadness over the final year kind of a feeling of inevitability and if you look back on it just how abrupt it was it felt when it started and how abrupt it was uh the way it ended um and it was born in a, in um su- such a different feeling than when it died it was so joyful so surprising fun um a kind of a run that you didn't really see coming not to that extent not expected um effervescent and then um it the final year of its life was exhausting, heavy, weighty. Uh, you could kind of feel it grinding to a halt, even though, as I said, I think that the ending was really kind of abrupt. Um, it just suddenly was over. And um, injury, departures, just uh, the... Sure, I mean, is the team going to be competitive still? But the feeling of that that era just kind of came to a shocking halt and um so i think the things i'll remember is just how how fun it was when it started how surprising and then just how quickly it kind of came to an end after after a five-year run hi my name's Amin, and i'm an alcoholic oh wait wrong meeting i don't want to go to my notes ah yes warriors uh, what can I say about the Warriors? We hardly knew ye. What an amazing time we had. It was a team that taught us that 
stacking the decks was something to be sought after, not something to be avoided. But also, the stacking the decks with, with superstar talent wasn't the end-all, be-all. I heard a lot of teams and a lot of fans of teams over the years say, oh, well, you know, if we can get so-and-so and so-and-so, we can rival the Warriors. And I think people who did that never really understood the, the magic formula wasn't that they had the best players, although they did have the best players. The magic formula was that they had a system that spread it around. I thought Kobe Bryant called it best. He called it the golden democracy. And we've never seen team basketball played at that elite a level um, with that elite of a supporting cast, of a, of a cast, excuse me. A lot of times, you think about teams that have been successful playing that style it's because they didn't have top level talent and the Warriors kind of like that trend uh, and but most of all I'm going to miss the other guys I'm not going to miss the top level guys I'm going to miss David West Sean Livingston's Andre Vidalas the unheralded role players who were just the, the, the grease that made the engine go right the glue whatever you want to call whatever I'm really bad at analogies at funerals, I get emotional. But uh, you know, it just—it was so beautiful. It was the most beautiful basketball I've ever seen. I'm gonna miss it. Here's to you, Warriors. You left us too soon. <laughs> I'd like to say hello to all the friends and the neighbors and the super fans who are gathered here today. My name is Kareth Burke. And as I look out on the faces here, I, I, I'm thinking about what's going on in our lives right now. And The Lion King is back in theaters. And it reminds me about the circle of life and how everything can be reborn. So if this dynasty is dead, it can rise again. We're talking about eight new players on the roster. So new things will take shape. They must take shape. We're talking about new blood pumping through the Bay Area to transform the Warriors. Because if you stay the same, you're not evolving while the rest of the hyenas chasing you get stronger. So, goodbye to the old. Goodbye to five consecutive finals. That's a moment in history that may never be du duplicated. And a sincere gratitude and love for three titles in four years. Because it's time to embrace a new path. It's time to look up. It's time to look at those stars, Simba. It's time to say hello to some invigoration. So Steph and Draymond and Clay will be the wise elders. And now this pack of young cubs are going to have to find their way. Amen. And God bless. Just right Cole, checking in from Lakers Twitter. Live in Oakland. Love the city of Oakland. And respect the Warriors for the run that they had. It was amazing. It was beautiful. Brought the city championships and a lot of fun times. But the time is up. It's over. It is now the Lakers' time. Just as the Warriors are leaving the city of Oakland, their relevancy in the landscape of the NBA is also leaving as well. It's time for the true champions and the true legends of the West Coast, the Los Angeles Lakers, to take back what was theirs from the beginning. LeBron, AD's on the way, championships on the way. It was a great time, Warriors fans. But now it's time to bow down to the true kings of the West and realize that a new dawning and a new era is underway. 
Enjoy it from the sidelines. Enjoy it from Chase Center. Enjoy it from San Francisco. I'll be smiling light years away as the Lakers dominate the Western Conference for years to come. Dearly beloved, uh, this is Sam Esfandiari from the Light Years Podcast. I just want to say a few words on the Warriors dynasty. I remember when they hired Steve Kerr and he talked about wanting to merge and be like the Spurs. My first thought was, yeah, I've heard that before for 30 years. And then over those five years, this team kind of made good on that promise. Throughout the process, it often felt like Steve Kerr was testing our patience, taking Steph farther and farther away from the ball, sometimes in the concourse, sometimes in the Club 200, testing our patience. But but through it, there were still three titles. We, we saw some of the best ball movement we'd ever seen. We saw transcendent shooting. Uh, we saw a style of basketball that we were told could not win until it won. And then in 2016, we got, we got treated to maybe the greatest team of all time when Kevin Durant joined the Warriors. Uh, when I think back on a dynasty, I, I think of the first year. Um, when they when they got good in 14-15, and I think of the first year with Kevin Durant when they they played probably the best basketball I'd ever seen, capped off with a 16-1 playoff run, which would produce some of the basketball. Uh, it's just incomparable. It was, it was hard to even watch them the final years as they were slowly dying off, knowing what could have been what we saw in 2017. For those of you who don't know, I'm Rusty Simmons from the San Francisco Chronicle. I covered the Warriors during the worst times and the best times. Um, when I think back about the Warriors dynasty, I think you first have to look at the years before that. Um, I remember in 2016, uh, they win 24 games in a row, and I covered teams that barely won 24 games in a season. Uh, and so that's what made the dynasty so special to me is that I knew where the franchise had been, um, how many hard times they had come through uh, and that they had persevered and turned this thing from uh, not even a laughing stock of the NBA, um, just an also ran irrelevant franchise um, to the team that, that everybody wanted to be. Uh, so that'll always be special to me. Um, in 2015, when they won the first title, uh, I remember walking back in the bowels of the arena in Cleveland and Sean Livingston just walking behind Steph Curry saying, how does it feel, champ? How does it feel, champ? And I think that moment will always stick with me because uh, at that moment uh, they were champs and Steph Curry was the engine that made that all work. And he was the champion of that dynasty. Um, and I think Livingston was the perfect hype man for that. Uh, so those moments will always stick out to me. Uh, what they went through to get to that. Uh, and then the five-year run uh, of just fascination after <laughs> after uh, the upheaval that the franchise was before. They, there might be some tears shed about the fact that they haven't developed but one rotation player since 2012. But, but even the Warriors recognize that. They're talking about changing that stuff, going young, starting to develop some guys. Um, and I can tell you, as, as long as they have number 30 at point guard, um, it's never going to be a rebuild. Uh, it's going to be just reloading for another dynastic run. Mark Medina, 
Warriors beat writer with the Bay Area News Group. What I'm going to remember the most is that they just did basically what no other team had ever done in the history of the NBA. Not only did they win three titles out of five appearances, the last time a team went that far in the finals for five straight years were the 60 Celtics, but uh, they changed the game when Al was played. You know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson may not have invented the three-point shot, but they made such a large use of it, shattering so many records and really kind of setting the standard for how it's going to be incorporated in modern offenses. And then, you know, they were light years ahead. They were able to really develop their homegrown talent with Steph, Clay, and Draymond, create some cap space that coincided with that spike spike hike in 2016 and getting Kevin Durant. And now Kevin Durant's gone. So I think it's easy to think that the runs over the dynasty is going to start eroding. But you know what? I might be in the minority here, but I think that there is a way for them to shift from maybe not being like what the the Celtics and the Bulls and the Lakers used to do with winning so many chips in a year. But I think it can do what the Spurs did, you know, where they're winning five titles, but it's never back to back. You know, maybe there's a title where there's an eight year gap. And the reason why I had that optimism is there's still Steph Curry. There's still Draymond Green. There's still Clay Thompson. Obviously, they're a lot older, but, you know, I think that they're still in their prime and have a lot of good years ahead. And they have, you know, at least the, the, the organizational culture that they're not going to mess things up so significantly that all of a sudden they're like the New York Knicks or any other team that's just competing for the lottery so because as much as i think that there's a lot of good memories to be had reflecting on this dynasty being over i think there is a chance that there's going to be you know more good memories to come maybe just not as spectacular as what they showed in the last five years hi everybody um i'm ethan uh i i knew the warriors early in their dynasty um really before they became a dynasty uh, when I was writing about them and following them around the country, um, you know, it's a, it's a sad day, but I think that we need to remember the rise was unlike anything that we'd ever seen in 2014 to 2015. They had really worked hard to become a good team, but then they transformed into a historically great team. Steph Curry, he, he revolutionized basketball. I will never forget the run that he had in the winter the next season when he submitted just one of the greatest seasons, greatest offensive seasons, certainly, the league had ever seen. And I think we also need to remember that after Kevin Durant arrived in the 2016 to 2017 season, that that was the greatest basketball team that we had ever seen in all our lives. I know some people on first take, they might debate it. I don't know. I just know they're wrong. Uh, They are wrong. Nobody at the peak of their powers and motivation is beating a lineup of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Andre Godala, Draymond Green, Crunch Time. That's the greatest team of all time. And uh, I think we should all reflect on that. We should all reflect on how great a team it was, how much they fought to the end, despite the injuries. Um, and, you know, it's a sad day, but ultimately we were all better for having known the Golden State <laughs> What's going on, you guys? My name is Watson Lambray. I'm from New York City. I was living in Queens when this thing first started. I just remembered a couple of wavy hair, light skin cats. Just killing them on the court, making threes. 
playing like a, a, a suburban Catholic school team, man, but they were whooping everybody's ass. They did it on both ends. And, uh, you know, I remember where I was when they got KD, which was also a big deal because everybody said they didn't need KD. But then, of course, he got hurt at the end and they got their ass whooped. So I'm just going to remember the team as it was. You know, they revolutionized the game. The three-point shooters for, uh, you know, motion offense lovers everywhere. They put together what I, in my estimation, is the greatest team I've ever seen. And, um, man, they ruined the dudes the process. But, you know, we we don't focus on the positive about this team. Um, you know, it was a pleasure to watch them, but I'm, I'm damn happy it's over. They can go to hell. Well, it was fun while it lasted. Not to say the fun can't continue on with the Golden State Warriors, but it's going to be a different iteration of the Golden State Warriors. The dynasty, the dominance, the superstars, the not just the face of the NBA, the Warriors were pretty much the face of sports, or at least one of the faces of the sports. Those days are over. Now, they'll be just another team, albeit a really good one, competing for an NBA title. Not the team that was minus 200, which is absurd. Minus 200, which if you don't know, you got to bet 200 to win 100 to win an NBA championship. No one has those odds. The Warriors had those odds for about three years running. For five years, or I should go back to the Mark Jackson era because that's when it started. Mark Jackson, they changed their attitude. They brought in Andrew Bogut, which was a massive trade for this team. The draft picks, and then all of a sudden, boom, you get this team. And not just a team. If, it, if this team were wearing purple and gold or Kelly green and white, it would have been different. They expect that. They've had dynasties before. For Warrior fans who barely had an all-star for about a decade and a half, this was what happened. Are we really this good? And then you found out you were that good for about five years. Five years. Durant, Curry, Thompson, Draymond. Iguodala, Livingston, Bogut. I mean, just an incredible, incredible squad. But now it's over. Now it is done. But fear not, Warrior fans. You won't have to go back to the days of when we're like the Clippers or the Nets. Come to think of it, actually being compared to the Clippers and Nets is not a bad thing anymore. What's happened to the NBA? If you'd have told me 15 years ago the Warriors, Clippers, and Nets would all be in the top seven or eight teams in the NBA, I don't know what I would have said, but it would have it would have involved heavy cursing, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know. Can you curse on a podcast? Eh, fuck it. Why not? Warriors plus minus the funeral of the Golden State Warriors. Now we can start the new era. We're out of here. <laughs>